and welcome once again. Thank you for joining me for another episode of The Dark Place. I'm your host, Adam Chafin. And tonight we are going to be, we're going to really be diving into a, um, a very sad case, as is with all these cases. Now, often you learn more about, a lot about the victim, the, the murdered, and uh, as with all cases, we want to be as delicate and truthful and honest as we can be with the research, and uh, we've done that. But I think this case is, um, as with our, all, as with all art, is, is deeply disturbing. Because not only of the horrific crime that Zachary Davis bestowed upon his mother, but also because you can tell that Zachary Davis is, he's a lost soul. He's, he, He's in it alone. And there's nothing but numbness and detachment behind his eyes. He seems to be possibly to the point he's devoid of, of human emotion. And there had been all the signs that would have led to Zachary Davis receiving help, treatment, which which he did do. But let's get into a little bit of the case of Zachary Davis. Now, from an early age, um, he seemed to be of a normal family. He had an older brother, Josh, um, and his mother, Melanie. Um, his father Chris passed away from Lou Gehrig's disease in um, or ALS in 2007. And Zach's grandparents state that um, right after that, he he began developing. Zach began developing um, some mental problems. Zach was given a schizophrenia and depression disorder diagnosis, and he also claimed to hear voices, voices of his father, telling him to do things. Um, even during one of the four meetings that Zach had with one of the psychiatrists. Zachary claimed to have heard his father's voice. Now, his mom did not continue seeking help for Zachary. So his dad passed away um, at the age of, of nine, when he was nine. And, you know, after his, after his dad had died, he... I guess he felt lost. He felt like he had no one to turn to. And it, it is believed, um, not proven, but is it is believed that he did have mental illness 
um, prior to his father's death. He can remember, or he even states in, I think, an interview with Dr. Phil that he uh, he was somewhat normal and um, was able to interact with other kids when he was younger, meaning before his father had passed away, is what he alludes to in the video. So, after his dad had died, you know, he, he, he says that he's begun hearing these voices in his head. He's put into therapy. He goes about four times. He's diagnosed with schizophrenia, paranoia, depression. And for some reason, one reason or another, his mother takes him out of the, of the treatment. Um, so as years go by, his, you know, his grades are okay. He's, he's not causing any problems or anything at school. He doesn't really have any friends. He keeps to himself. He's quiet. He uh, he talks. He begins to talk in this whisper. You know this low. You know I, I can't even emulate what it is, but this low whisper, almost trying to trying to hide, possibly his voice, because he has lost who he is. He does not know how to cope with his father's death. Um. So therefore, I guess his emotions and how he really feels is, you know, I guess his mother and, and his brother and, and everyone else thinks there's no problem. He's not uh, really doing anything out of line. You know, he's at that awkward teenage age where he might not have a lot of friends, but he does begin to show signs of mental illness, even possibly being on the spectrum side as well. So... It's later found out, I'm jumping ahead, but it is later found out that he um, he had possibly wanted to be a serial killer. There were things written in notebooks about serial killers. Maybe that was someone that he could just relate to, a serial killer. You know, someone that, that had a lot of things on them in his mind, delusions. Um, he could be paranoid. He said in the Dr. Phil interview after he was arrested and he was on his show in, in cuffs that he did this to his mother because um, she wasn't taking care of the family. And she wasn't um, doing what he thought she should do. But yet when he killed her with the sledgehammer, he did it quickly and when she was asleep. Which means, which would lead me to believe that he has a little bit of compassion, not in the murder, but inside of his own delusional mind. She's not doing a good job. I'm hearing the voices. My dead father's in my mind telling me to do this. You know, I've been having these voices for years, not getting help. And I guess at a certain point, you start to listen to those voices. I'm not 100% sure. I'm speculating in some aspects. But like I said, he had been in a downward spiral since losing his father. And uh, like I said, also, he had been diagnosed with dis depressive disorder with psychosis 
when he was 11. He reported hearing the voices, and his mother, like I said, discontinued seeking treatment. So the point, the, the thought is, if he had, would have continued seeking this treatment, having this treatment, been on medication, would this have prevented this tragedy from occurring? I don't know. That's, that's, you can't really look back and say because it didn't happen that way. You can only speculate. But there's no factual evidence that that would have caused any kind of a change, or it wouldn't have. Now, the prosecutors in the trial, I'm jumping ahead, I'm jumping ahead. So, in 2012, as, as we've discussed, Zachary switched from being a regular kid to one who acts strangely, talk less, and speak in an unusual way when he finally decided to go into his mother's room, creep into his mother's room, open the door, stand over top of her bo body, her sleeping body, breathing in, breathing out. He's standing over top of his mother. A mother who was found lovingly in the text messages retrieved. Also saying, often saying, I love you. Good job. I'm proud of you. They, they had earlier had went to a movie together. Zachary, his older brother Josh, and the mother Melody. Melanie, excuse me. About nine o'clock, Melanie and went to bed, as did Josh. As I was stating, stating before, Zachary Davis was standing over his mother, watching her breathe her last breaths. He had earlier been reading Misery by Stephen King. And if you know the movie version of the the novel is that she uses a sledgehammer to break um, the author's ankles. And that's why investigators and prosecutors think that's why Zachary chose a, a sledgehammer as his weapon. That's not 100% accurate, but that is the speculation amongst those involved with the case. As he was standing over his mother, he raised up, had the sledgehammer in her hand, in his hand, and came down 12 to 20 times, hitting her hard, hearing bones wet sounds of brain matter and he said he felt nothing in that moment when asked what he felt 
He said nothing. My mind was blank. He put a pillow over her head so his older brother Josh wouldn't hear anything. And then he left. He closed the door behind him, locked the door, went up to the game room, used some bourbon, lit a fire, poured the bourbon out, lit the fire, wanted to catch the house on fire and kill his brother Josh. Zachary left and uh, he left with a bag that he had packed and then he you know, started, started walking. This was in Tennessee, by the way, Hendersonville. And uh, side note also that uh, Zachary Davis and his family was from Bowling Green, Kentucky. That's his birthplace. So Zachary Davis's brother, Josh, wakes up. The smoke wakes him up. He runs, you know, goes and tries to get the mother to make sure she's awake. He states that he had to bust open the door. He looked down at her, was in shock, seeing her decayed head punctured. He freaks out and he's leaving. He runs out. He has to leave. The house is on fire. Now, Zachary Davis is found five or six miles away walking. Uh, surveillance camera has found that he stopped at a convenience store around 2.30 a.m., purchased two Diet Pepsis and a road map, a street map of Tennessee. He's picked up. He's brought in for questioning. And this is actually how I learned of Zachary Davis, his interrogation. He... uh. He answered the questions that he's asked in a whisper, almost a low whisper, almost a growl, but not, not an intimidating growl. Possibly could be. He didn't feel sorry for killing his mother. When asked why he did it, she wasn't being a good mother to us. He also later claimed that his father asked him to kill his mother. The voice of his father told him, kill her, kill her. After years of hearing her, his father say this to him, he took action and did it. Now the question remains, even to this day, there's no doubt that he's a, a murderer, a killer. But how much did mental help play a role in the murder of Melanie Davis. So from what's been gathered from this gathered from this case is there's a possibility that Zach was pure evil. That he was acting on mental alignment and desire and what he wanted to do. Another was that he couldn't overcome these demons. 
which could have been could have been his his father's voice. He couldn't cope with the loss of his father. He wasn't treated for these mental illnesses that he was diagnosed with. So they went untreated for years. Mind you, his father passed away at nine. He started hearing voices. He was in uh, therapy for a short time, four to, six, four to six weeks. His mom takes him out. So that's nine years old until 15 years old of keeping this all inside. Now, like I said, there's no doubt that Zachary Davis, also known as the Sledgehammer Killer, is a murderer and a killer. He was driven to psychosis, is what Dr. Bradley, a criminal psychiatrist, testified. Dr. Bradley Freeman. He said he suffered from schizophrenia and depressive disorder, and it went untreated for years, and that manifestation came about through the murdering of his mother. So... There was also reason to believe that Zachary also thought that he may have been a schizophrenic because he had looked up in a search history on his phone, he had looked up paranoid schizophrenic, paranoid schizophrenic, one week prior to murdering his mother. Now, later on, there was a couple different things when Zachary took this to the stand. Now, when he took to the stand, he made up a a claim that his brother actually uh, molested or raped him. There was no evidence that any of this was true. And this was thought, you know, this was thought, I guess, by the prosecution and researchers that this was a last ditch effort to pass the blame on to someone else. And obviously that it didn't work. At the age of 17, two years after the murder, Zachary Davis was sentenced to life in prison for the first-degree murder and an additional 20 years for the attempted murder and aggravated arson for setting fire to his house and the possible murder of his older brother, Josh. In Tennessee, a life sentence is 60 years to be eligible for parole after 51 years of age. So Zachary Davis will be close to 70 years old when he is available for parole. Now this is a very sad case, as are all these kind of cases. I do think that Zachary, um, coming up in the age that he came up with, this happened in 2012. So... He was able to access the internet, learn of these, um, you know, serial killers, these murderers, and a lot of people with mental illness seem to gravitate or maybe even think of themselves as an anti-hero. Now, there's no conclusive evidence that Zachary thought of himself as an anti-hero. That's just putting my spin on certain aspects of cases like this. There's no doubt that Zachary Davis needed mental treatment. He needed severe mental treatment, it seems. And it was ignored by his mother. 
Now, is it her fault that he ended up murdering her? No, it is not her fault. Uh, we do not know the circumstances of why she stopped the treatment. We do know what we know, which is the facts about the father. She seemed to be a good mother. They seemed to have a loving relationship. There was nothing out of order as far as she could tell other than Zach's um, clear change in demeanor, which to me would signal uh, a red flag. We need, to get, uh, we need to get my son into treatment. We need to find out why he's talking like this, why he's suddenly, you know, why he has no friends. We need to be able to help him cope with his father's death and any other mental illnesses or paranoia he may have. Now, that being said, he wasn't given the help that he was that he needed to get. And sadly, it turned out the way that it turned out. He felt that he had no one to talk to. He felt that there was nowhere to turn. So what did he do? He went to the internet. He found a, um, I guess, a commonality within the ser- you know serial killers that he liked. He, I don't want to say idolized because we don't know whether or not that part of it's true. But he did feel like a, a Travis Bickle kind of character, a loner. And that's what he was. Zachary Davis was a loner. He changed his voice. He changed his demeanor. And he was detached from human emotion. He was void from human emotion. Now, I'm sure, like, like we've stated, that this did not happen overnight. It was a gradual thing that happened from when his father died to the time that he killed his mother, Melanie, with a sledgehammer. I personally believe that this probably could have been prevented. Now, there's no guarantees that this would have been prevented. Zach could have followed through on his um, therapy for years upon years, and this same outcome could have happened. But would it have been more beneficial to just try and keep him in therapy, put him on meds, help him cope with loss? how to deal with things when they go wrong in life. Because you've, if you can cope earlier in life, if you can cope early in life, you can use those coping skills for many aspects of life. And obviously, Zach didn't have any of these coping skills. What's sad now is I was doing some, some research on this. And some of the students, one of the students said that he didn't really know Zach. He said that he probably interacted with Zach more than anyone else. He said he didn't really have many friends. I was probably the most likely to, to have been the person he interacted with most as our moms were good friends. We were freshmen in algebra class. I remember him quite well. So he had no real friends. And it's sad to think that this kid murdered his mother, ruined, ruined that life, ended that life, probably scarred or caused emotional, emotional distress and turmoil and therapy for his brother, Josh. So that life could be ruined and a mother taken away and his own life is ruined. Could he be rehabilitated in prison? Possible. Will he ever be a contributing contribute contributing member of society? No, he will not. 
he is most likely in a cell um, alone since he was underage when he went in. And he is most likely to probably never have a life where he will ever have any friends. And that's a sad life. He did do this to himself with the action of murdering someone, his mother. But this could have been prevented, I believe. This tragedy could have been prevented. And regardless, it wasn't. I feel bad for Zachary. I feel bad for his deceased mother, Melanie. I feel bad for the older brother, Josh. And I wonder if Zach ever gets anyone to come see him in jail. What does he think about? What does he think about? Good night, everyone.